Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. Vic, what are you doing on the 27th of April? I'm busy, Hamish. Oh, what are you doing? I'm going to be part of the Sober Awkward live show. Of course you are. Can I come? Mm, no. Oh. No, actually, you are invited. You are part of the show. We'd probably better get rehearsing, actually. That's a good point. It's going to be an absolute shit fight. <laughs> yeah. It's actually sold out. What? Yeah, so exciting. But the good news is that you can now go onto our Cuppa community and buy tickets to the live stream. They're just 10 bucks. See you there. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? 
Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. So I listened back to the last episode, Vic. Mm. You made a confession in it, which I did not know. You weren't brave enough to tell me to my face <laughs> that you binged on... It was a caramel chocolate? It was a caramel peanut crunch. And yet here we are going sugar-free. Yeah. <laughs> This week, I walked into... I never work in Caloundra, which is south of where I live. Yeah. My, one of my favourite um, croissants is in Caloundra. Croissant? Croissant. I went in there. I said, is this made with sugar? They said, yes. You said no. I walked out. Oh, my And God. yet, there you are, stuffing your face with caramel chocolate. You're a braver man than me. If you're going to confess <sighs> something, do it. To, not on the podcast. Yeah, so that's true. I've did, I forgot you were editing that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to listen back. Well, how do you go this week? You actually had a birthday this week. So what happened with birthday cake? I've had no sugar, but I had a slice of birthday cake. That's fair. Is that fair? That can be a rule, yeah, yeah. Okay. Annoying that my birthday doesn't fall during the sugar challenge. Yeah. But I'm happy for you to have a slice of birthday cake on your birthday. What about other people's birthdays? It uh, doesn't count. Someone's birthday you every can't day, Google isn't it? that, no. <laughs> you know what? Actually, it's quite funny. So we have become... Kind of like when you first go sober and you may be so proud of it, you tell everyone. Oh, right. Liz, because Liz is doing it as well. Yeah. Liz and I are unbearable. We, we've, got, we've made two new friends, which we're quite excited about, and they are vegan. Are they invisible? Uh, no, they exist. <laughs> okay. And they, they're dogs. Right. Yeah. They, uh, they are vegan. And we had, we went around to theirs yesterday and we're like, I bet you guys spend your life going to people's houses for barbecues and be like, oh, we're so sorry. We're vegan. It's a pain for you to cook for us. We were them to them oh right they had to like oh we can't cook with that because that's got sugar in it oh we want to make this marinade but we can't because it's got sugar in it we were bad guests at vegan people's houses and were they annoyed with you no they adapted beautifully oh cooked God a really bless amazing them. meal but we were like we've been sober so yesterday was the so sugar sober we've been sober for less than two weeks and yeah. that was the fourth or fifth time we've told them that we're sugar free okay They're like we get it you're sugar free and there's always that joke that how do you know if someone's a vegan they'll let you know we are that with sugar i think you need to start a no sugar podcast hamish i'm leaving this is it this is I'm it i'm breaking up with you <laughs> and liz and i are doing sugar free one <laughs> Oh, I won't be tuning into that. No, fair enough. <laughs> what are we talking about today, young Haim? You tell me. I'm well, not, I thought we were just talking about sugar. I thought we were doing no, episode no, two not sugar. again, please. No, okay. I'm, I'm actually bored. It's actually making me want to eat chocolate just looking at your face. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a taste of our own medicine today, Haim. We want to talk about alcohol and visits to A and E. Yes, we want to find out the facts. How many people in accident and emergency are there because of booze? And we want to find out how our silly antics add a huge and unnecessary workload to this already strained system. Yeah, Vic and I have both had the odd scrape when going out drinking. And it seems a lot of people have had run-ins or near escapes in their drinking days that have led to either a brief hospital visit or a ride in an ambulance or the doctor's surgery. Yes, I have definitely done all three of those, Hamish. Today, we want to look at how our drinking affected us, friends and family, and the ones that had to clear up our mess, bandage our heads, or made someone miss out on their daughter's birthday party because we stepped on some glass at a festival. Is that true? Yes. Really? Yeah. That's what the nurse told me when she was stitching up my foot. Oh, it was the nurse? Yeah, I should be at my daughter's birthday party. Really annoyed with me. Oh, yeah. Guilt. Guilt. The guilt. That's what I want to do this episode for. God, okay. What might have been a laugh for us had impact on others. 
why do we never consider this? And how do nurses and paramedics feel about driving to the fifth case of self-induced teenage over-intoxication or yet another bar fight that's ended in a few eyebrow stitches? God, yeah. I definitely have a bit of guilt lingering in my loins, Hamish. And it's been a while since we've spoken about your loins. Yes, I love my lady loins. <laughs> I feel bad about wasting the time of care workers and hospital staff, so I'm intrigued to hear what they think about people like me. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our binge drinking that we forget it touches the lives of other people. We want to look at this today because we both feel a bit shitty about never considering others. Booze was always the top of the agenda. Our own fun took precedence over everything. What happened when under the influence was just part of the adventure? Well, so we thought. That is the issue. You know, we always thought that a trip to hostel with a mate who fell off a bar stool wouldn't crack his head open was just a funny story. You never really considered how annoying it was for the person dealing with the wound. I wonder if paramedics think dealing with drunks is just part of the job or do they resent dealing with accidents that are 100% avoidable? We hope by delving into the effect on others, it might help us see outside our drunken bubbles and think about the strain drunken injuries have on ambulance workers, doctors and nurses. We also want to take a look at how much these accidents cost the system and if the government is investing in more awareness around booze. So today we're going to get stuck into some times our own drinking may have, unbeknownst to us, ruined someone else's day and find out the true impact alcohol has on an already strained medical system. So grab some bad aids. This is going to hurt. You all know we don't blame anyone in particular for the world's overconsumption of booze for causing your injuries. Well, apart from the Romans, the monks that brewed the beer, the government, the low cost of booze, and perhaps the massive booze corporation shoving it down our necks at every opportunity. I'm not bitter, Hamish. No, that's fair. Other than those. Yeah, other than those. You live a life of no bitterness other than a huge list of... Okay. I am bitter, actually. Not that sort of bitter. Not the ale. (laughs) Instead of pointing the finger, Hamish and I practice communal shame on Sober Awkward, as you know. Whenever we talk about drinking injuries on our socials, everybody wants to tell us their story. So this is also a bit of a shame shed share, a place to let go of guilt and move on from the time you got a fence post stuck in your bottom after slipping on a beer mat. After all, it was just the booze doing what booze is supposed to do. No shame here, is there, Hamish? Coming up later, there are some funny and not so funny visits to the emergency room. Well, talking about funny and getting a fence post stuck up your bottom. Yes. We didn't know how to start this episode because you had re- you done some research into injuries and it was quite a dark story. About, it is quite dark. It was a, dr- a drunken monkey yeah. who went on a killing rampage. Yeah, I couldn't find any positive stories about drinking injuries. I was trying to get a funny joke in, but there was there was nothing. It was all quite serious, of yeah, course. A mass murdering animal. Yeah. So we played a little game. And Vic and I, this is the sort of, usually we research quite heavily. We look at science and we look at societal effects of of alcohol. We thought this time we'll play a game, which you guys can do too. Um, We had two minutes. We went into separate bedrooms and we had to find four things that A&E nurses or doctors have found stuck up people's bums when they're drunk. And I presume that alcohol was probably involved in all of these. Uh, Probably. Should we go one for one or do you want to go your for No, I'm going to go mine very quickly. So they had the x-rays on there as well. Yes, I (laughs) thought I saw those too. Might share on our sober, awkward community. I say, so one was pint glass, 
The mm-hmm. second one was Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. The third one was a loaded gun. The fourth one was an eel. I thought that probably sounded quite nice. <laughs> okay. The- wait, wait, wait. I've got one more. Okay. The other one, which wasn't related to do with bottoms, but a woman had put expanding foam into her husband's penis. I saw that. Okay. Did you see yeah, that yeah. one too? Did We've you see Googled. the pile? I did, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. The eel one was my number one. Ah. And did you read why he did it? Why? It was to help constipation. To get put an eel up his And bottom. the pain that he was feeling, because the eel was live, was the eel biting his colon. Right, move on. So I did a little bit of research into that one. Um, number two was concrete mix. Yes. That was injected into the bum. Yep. Um, number three was an entire cutlery set. God. I didn't read why. I should have read why. Too much forking. Yeah. <laughs> he was a forking idiot. Yeah. Uh, the last one was a live rat. So he put it in a condom first. Yes. And then up the rectum. At least he was protected, I guess. I don't know if he survived. Yeah. I'm not sure if he would have wanted to survive that one. What, the man or the rat? Both, yeah. (laughs) There's a traumatised rat wandering around (laughs) the sewers of London. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So that's a little game. There's a little game, game, yes. Play that at home on your own. Or send us things that you... No, don't send us us the things that you stuck up your bum. Send us the stories of the thing you may or may not have... Mm, Or not. Or either way. I'm not sure I want to read those. (laughs) So lots of weird things happen at accident emergencies. And what Hamish and I have discovered, that a lot of them involve alcohol. Yes. I think it's important to start with the stats here, just so we can get a clear idea of how alcohol admissions are taking up space and beds in hospitals. We're not doing this to make anyone feel bad. We understand there are some instances that might not be your fault. But let's imagine how different the stats would be if alcohol did not exist. Yes, to be clear. We're not talking about hospital admissions due to alcoholism. That's another episode. We just want to look at injuries caused by binge drinking. Okay, so a study conducted in the city of Newcastle in the UK, that's where I was at uni and is quite well known for its booze culture, has revealed what we always suspected. Over two thirds of emergency room visits on weekends, especially in the wee hours of the morning, are directly related to alcohol consumption. Gosh, that's a lot, isn't it? Mm. So approximately 70% of admissions on the weekend are all preventable injuries caused by binge drinking. It's believed that the number will rise since alcohol consumption has grown since COVID-19. These numbers are very similar in Australia and the US. People are getting hammered and putting themselves at risk of injury every weekend. I know, Hamish, because I've done it too. Me too. Before we hear about our own run-ins with ambulances, let's hear from my mate in Sydney, Sam. He's a paramedic. I emailed him a few questions about how binge drinking affects his work. The first question I asked him was, do the number of drunken injuries rise at the weekends? Um, I'll be Sam. I'm playing the role of Sam. Yeah, you be Sam. What does Sam look like? He's handsome. He's about 40, about the same age as me. Has he got an Australian accent? Uh, he has got please don't might, do it in might, Australian might, accent it would really demean the important yeah, shit yeah poor Sam he'd be like what's he doing that accent <laughs> for okay I'll Sam when you come into work near the CBD on a Friday or Saturday night, you know what you're in for. A very busy night picking up drunks. The early cases in the night are usually the younger ones, the 16 and 17 year olds who are not used to drinking so much. Then come the rest from about 10.30 until about 3am when it's super busy. Still a decent workload from 3am to 5am. Then after sunrise, the occasional drunk who's fallen asleep on their walk home, snoozing on a footpath on a bridge. Sam says these cases range from vomiting and inability to walk to barely conscious while embarrassing themselves in the process, i.e. covered in vomit, pooing their dacks, private body parts being exposed, falls resulting in injury, assaults, misadventure, falling downstairs, off balconies, off rock edges, ledges, etc. 
The injuries he's seen from drinking range from twisted ankles, fractured legs, dislocated shoulders, lacerations to face and head, full-blown head injury resulting in coma from either assaults or minor falls, spinal fractures resulting in quadriplegia or dying a terrible death in front of good friends. These are some of the cases I can think of off the top of my head. That's oh what he says. God. It's mental. What's, what is the trauma involved in being the nurse or the doctor or the yeah. first person on the scene? Or even your friends. Like That's what we're talking about as well. The impact on others. We've never considered it before. Yeah. Like That's going to change your friends' lives. Not only will it change your life, but somebody seeing that happen to you is going to be extremely traumatic. I've got a shocking story here. So Liz's cousin, who we met through, is an A&E nurse. And she worked in England for years. And I said, you know, you obviously see awful things every day. Firstly, I've always asked her whether or not you get the same training as a doctor or as a nurse as you would in the army with regards to seeing terrible shit that no one yeah. should see. Yeah. And you don't really. Right. Um, but I said, you know, was there anything that really rattled you? And she said, one day working in Ernie, a kid came in who she had known. And he was, yeah, like he had, I think he had a car crash or something. Right. And she knew and who it you, was. You know the person. Yeah. Imagine that. Yes, because we don't really consider the mental health yeah. of the people doing that job, do we? And that would actually cause them to drink. Yeah. So it's like this kind of domino effect, isn't it? That mm -hmm. the people are going to be dealing with their stress and their anxiety from what they've seen at work and taking it home. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole other episode. We, that actually, is. we actually had an email from someone who said they, was, they were a doctor. And they have got a drinking habit and you just feel this immense guilt and like I'm meant to be the doctor and their stresses of doing a job like this has led to them drinking more. It's awful. Gosh, yeah. There's more to it, isn't there, yeah. really? I asked Sam what it's like dealing with drunk people as a paramedic. He said, it can be fun. It can be annoying. He used to find it fun because I like being in the city where there's a good vibe. But after a few years, it can get annoying. Holding a vomit bag up to someone who's covered in vomit and can't sit up without your assistance while they tell you you're a dickhead in between vomits gets a little old eventually. Yeah, fair enough. And like he said above, intoxicated people can become barely conscious or unconscious and this poses a risk to an airway obstruction. Therefore... This is mental, by the way. Yeah. Everybody tune in. Therefore, an ambulance is sent at very high priority, a higher priority than heart attacks. So oh. somebody with vomit who is being sick and is drunk through their own bad choices that I made too, I'm not being judgmental, mm. takes precedence over somebody who is having a heart attack. So the ambulance will come to the drunk person before the person How having a heart attack. How is that the rule? How has that happened? Because a, a blocked airway is just no. higher risk. It's more red alert, I guess. That's crazy. It is. He says sometimes it depends on the type of drunk they are, i.e. happy drunk or angry drunk or insolent drunk. Angry junks, surprisingly, he says they're usually too drunk to do any damage, so they're manageable. They might throw a punch, but then they usually fall over. Happy drunks can be fun, depending on the time of night, depending on how sick I am of picking up drunks that night. And it's not just the patients he says he has to deal with. It's the drunk friends and bystanders. This I can certainly relate to. Yeah. He says they can be obnoxious, they can be annoying, or they might be apologetic and grateful. I'm imagining annoying more often than apologetic. Yeah. I've watched a lot of um, 24 Hours in Emergency. It's one of my yeah. favourite shows. It's brilliantly produced, that programme. If you haven't seen it, I think it's on Binge on A&E. Mm. And 
it is fantastic because you get a real insight in any of those paramedic shows and hospital mm. shows are amazing because you see the drunk people are so prevalent in hospitals at weekends. Yeah. That's all they're dealing with. And you often see the mates of the drunks, they're giving people a hard time, like when they're having to queue and wait and mm. they might be second in line because their problem isn't as bad as others and getting aggressive and things. Yeah. It's really frightening. Yeah, we don't think about these things. I've never thought about it. Right. I asked Sam, is treating the wounds of binge drink as just part of the job or do you feel a bit annoyed with these drunken patients because the injury was avoidable whether we love it or hate it it's just part of the job it won't change and whether i get annoyed is generally on a case-by-case basis usually depending on how respectful the patient is and whether they are wasting your time yeah sam also said if someone is injured enough to require an ambulance he is happy to help however he doesn't enjoy it when those in receipt of his help don't provide him or his colleagues any courtesy or respect or become rude or violent. Being blind drunk is not an excuse, he says, and unfortunately alcohol can turn people into idiots. Then I asked Sam, how do you think the problem of binge drinking needs to be addressed? He said it's a difficult one, as it's ingrained into our culture. He thinks people's intention should be having a drink to have a good time, not to get drunk. It would be informative. This is a great idea. He said it'd be amazing, and I guess they do on shows like you talk about, if he could film drunken people that he attends to, like the drunkest of the drunk, so that he could show it to young adults or even to the patient the next day. He said in most cases, they probably forget their behaviour. But if they actually watched it, most would be completely ashamed and embarrassed, especially those who have their dingle dangles hanging out in front of their friends, family, or just strangers passing around. He said, or those who are so drunk that they're covered in vomit and decide to tell all their friends about their herpes. Oh, God, he must have experienced that. (laughs) Is that a level of drunk? I was vomit drunk. I was angry drunk. I was telling my friends about my STDs drunk. That's that's the drunkest you can get. That's the drunkest you can be, yeah. It's all so full on, isn't it, to hear about... Gosh, we're so thankful to Sam giving us all that inside information. It was excruciating and fascinating. Let's find out about our own visits to the ER, what we did and how we were dealt with. I must say I cringed when I thought about writing this episode, as I do have a sense of guilt and shame about not only putting myself at risk, but wasting the time of people like Sam. They could have been helping someone that really deserved it. Anyway, here we go, Hayne. What are yours? Okay, so my worst one was there's a nightclub in King's Cross called Egg. And I must have passed out in the cubicle, like the loo cubicle of Egg. And I can remember I had maybe 16 missed calls. All my mates were like, where is where has he gone? Anyway, the paramedics got called <laughs> and had to bang open the door oh, no. and I had to sit there. I didn't have my stomach pumped. It wasn't as bad as that. But I remember like coming to sitting with a paramedic who was just like, you, you need to get yourself home. Didn't get an ambulance ride. Oh, that's good. But, yeah, but they're like, you need, you need to go now. It's time yeah. for you to go. Well, it's crazy that the paramedics, they came to you in that situation, probably for that reason that we discussed. They perhaps thought you had vomit stuck in your throat. So, yeah, you could have taken an ambulance away from someone that day, Hamish. Awful, isn't it? It's awful. The worst thing is that I I find the idea of getting an ambulance quite fun. But if you're in the situation when you're in an ambulance, it's never fun. It's not fun. I like the idea of swerving through traffic with the the lights on. Anyway, yeah. so that was my worst one. Mm. Um, but like, it's actually stories like this have like, really shaped my life now. My wife, Liz, when she was fairly young, she hosted a house party where two or three of her best mates got in the car in the, in the morning, over the limit, crashed into a car and died. Four of them? Yeah, I think it might have been three or four of them. Oh my and God. And it's completely shaped her as a human. Like, oh, it's, wow. It's it would big do. Yeah. Thing in her life. Yeah. So we sort of. 
I think of it more. You know, I've definitely been in the car when the driver's been over the limit, but it's never actually had an accident hmm. like she's been involved in. So, yeah, I'm very aware of it now. There was a story. I told the story at me at the full moon party when two months running, two full moon parties running, I stepped on glass and hmm. ended up in hostel. A mate of mine who I spoke to two days ago just been at a stag do. Okay, so they'd rented an Airbnb. Yeah. He said, the Airbnb has just got in touch with us. They go on, what's happened? He goes, one of the guys put his hand through a window and a five metre by five metre rug has gone missing. Wow. I said, what do you mean it's gone missing? I didn't roll a body into so, it. Well, somebody threw up on it or did something to it and has Chef just it put, out. Like, put it in a car. I'm like, all right. All right. We can't. Like, the, the, leaving it here is worse than nicking the it. The evidence. Imagine it was underneath the bed. That's so funny. Anyway, it's not any story, but just like how many stag do's end in Ernie and hostels. I think we could probably do an episode on house wreckings on Airbnbs. Yes. <laughs> the worst Airbnb reviews yeah. would have a lot of alcohol stories. They would do. Them. But yeah, my experience, the few that I have had with paramedics, I've always found the paramedics been amazing, actually. I've never had like that passive aggressive one like you had with a birthday party always being really patient probably talking down you a little bit but i reckon i'm british enough that in that position i go overboard on apologizing yes and kind of bringing the banter yeah as you reckon yeah i I would always that would be my go-to if i was injured and i felt sort of guilty about it and there was an ambulance person there i'd kind of try and make friends with them yeah try and bond with them yeah try and bond with them and like this is okay let's make it into a laugh and i know i'm wasting your time but at least it's fun yeah yeah what about you what what your running's been like well of course i had a lot of hospital visits when i blew my finger off with a firework when i was was drunk months worth months worth so i was in hospital in thailand and Australia. When I was in hospital in Thailand, there was a German guy there who tried to punch a nurse. He was drunk and he had some coral in his foot. Yeah. And it was really horrible to watch because she was a lovely nurse and she was just trying to help him. And he was just really, really aggressive. And I was like, oh God, I will never be like that. No matter how in pain I am, Mm. I will always try and be respectful for the person that is treating me after that experience. And I always have been. But of course, those injuries I had were always preventable. Mm. After I had all the operations done on my stump and was in hospital in Australia and everything, a weird thing happened, Hamish. About a year later, a claw grew out the top of my stump. What? Yeah. (laughs) So there was something called remnants of nail that hadn't been removed when I had an operation (sighs) and an actual like animal claw grew out of the top. I knew you'd like that. How have you never told me this? Well, I just thought about it when we were doing this episode. So like a fingernail, but sharp. Like a claw. Like a claw, a remnant of nail burst out of the top. I was like, what's that? It felt all puffy and weird, like it was getting infective. And then a claw grew out of the top and I had to go back to hospital a year later and get the claw removed. Why did you remove the claw? Because it was was getting infected (laughs) and stuff. It wasn't like a normal nail. You could have just been one of the few humans with a claw. The claw, the claw. Imagine that. (laughs) For like like scratching on blackboards. Oh my God, a yes, claw. I, I had a claw. I don't know whether I have. I'll have to look one up, yeah. But I had a claw for a while. <laughs> so that was a repercussion of me blowing my finger off in yeah. a drunken injury, again going to hospital because of alcohol Yeah. over a period of time. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, I called an ambulance once when I was having a panic attack after I ate too many prawns. Whoa. I- Sober. No, I was hungover, I was oh, drunk, no, yeah. and I got loads of prawns to eat on the way home because there was a deal on at Tesco's. And I decided in my sort of panicky, hungover state that I was allergic to prawns. And then I had a panic attack and called an ambulance. So they turned up? They turned up, yeah. Took me to hospital. What happened to hospital? I, I wish there was a you, funny punchline here. I feel you, like there's a joke, but it's say, not. Yeah, why do you, how do you cure 
a prawn panic attack? I don't know. <laughs> it was a very odd time. That is an odd time. Yeah, I don't I even like, remember. I like the logic of that. Like, it is a good deal, though. It was a good deal, yeah. <laughs> Kilo prawns, oh. three ninety nine. I'm in. <laughs> even though I'm allergic. Exactly. I mean, I'm... that's how my brain works, Hamish. You're that's fine. Living on the edge. <laughs> I was very embarrassed about that the next day. I basically was really hungover and just having a panic attack. It was nothing to do with prawns, Hamish. Mm. Um, I fell off a table, injured my back whilst doing an air guitar solo once. That has had a lot of doctor's visits my back ever since. Oh, so your air guitar career. No, no, my air guitar career was over that day. And since then, I have back issues. So that has caused ongoing visits Mm. to the doctors. Um, Never really knew how I did it. And I never told the doctor that I I was just doing a Sweet Child of Mine. (laughs) The only question I was thinking, what was the song? Sweet Child of Mine, of course. Um, There were three hospitalizations on my hen night, head injuries. What? What was going on? Uh, people fell downstairs, people fell off a stage, and someone else had concussion from falling over when they went to bed. So there was three different things. Oh. Yeah, but all head injuries because my dad spiked the punch. <laughs> Girls at school getting their stomachs pumped. I never had that done, but no, it was very I. common at school for someone to get overly intoxicated on white lightning. It was like a cider, wasn't yeah, it? There was yeah. all these really strong yeah. alcohols, and you're just sitting down them in a park on a Friday night. Did you ever watch it? Do you ever watch them get the stomach pumped? No, I always imagine it's like a toilet plunger. What is it? In the mouth or in the bum? On the bottom. Right, yeah. (laughs) I thought you'd imagine like that. I've never had it done. I think... I imagine it's down the mouth, like a like I think a, it is. a garden hose down the mouth is what I think. Yeah, and they maybe do they put water down there yeah. to make you be sick? Yeah, yeah it's not it's not oh, very nice. That happened a lot at your school. I just remember that happened quite a few times. Yeah, three Whoa. or four times to different people. Yeah, binge shrinking related. Um, I also broke my collarbone on an escalator after flying down the middle of it yeah. at Central Station, which I have told you before. <laughs> that time, the staff already knew me from the stump and the claw. Yeah, no one's forgetting clawless. <laughs> Lady. You yeah. are in folklore. So that was hospital. within a few weeks after the claw. I was back at the same hospital with a broken collarbone, another drunken injury. And at the time, I never considered it. They were like, oh, hey, Vicky, how's it going? What have you <laughs> done now? Back. But they probably just thought, oh, God, she's just a crazy alcoholic or something. What's yeah. he doing here again? I never considered what anyone else thought of me in those situations or the fact that I was a local at the hospital and the pub. Mm. It's weird. I had that as a kid. I was quite big on hurting my ankle, complaining about it quite a lot being carried into hospital, then then being like, it's a sprain, and then just walking out of hospital. And I can remember once getting my dad and and the nurse was like, Hamish, Rory, 17 Kirkstall Road. You're like, they they knew the whole thing. You're like Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You had a limp when you went in and walking perfectly on the way out. Have you ever considered how your injuries affected other people, Hamish? Okay, so not really. So I I always think, yeah, my injuries, in terms of doctors and any nurse was always fairly tame. I tell you where I have been selfish is thinking about those Airbnb hosts because hmm. I Airbnb my place. And if I'd come back and it was trashed, like most of the times that I've gone away with big groups and it's been a boozy weekend, something has been smashed yeah. every time. And yeah. I would be livid if I was the host because actually you've got to deal with all the crap. Yeah. Like a smashed window is a lot of faff to fix and get insurance and all that bollocks. And you're so dealing I'm, with the repercussions of drunk people which anything can happen that's the thing isn't it? Yeah. Also you're sneaky when you're hungover. Yes. If you, like, I've definitely thrown up on a towel and hidden the towel rather than clean the towel. Oh yeah because you're lazy when you're hungover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in terms of A&E I sort of got away with it in terms of houses that I've stayed at and thrown up on or worse I've always been selfish. Yeah, I I have too. Yeah. It's terrible to say. 
you know, we're honest on this podcast, at least I do have some guilt about it. Yeah, and it's only since I got sober where I go, oh my God, actually my drinking was affecting other people. So, and yeah. it's, well, actually, funnily enough, when I think about it, my friend Katie, when she said to me that time, whenever we were out with you, we were worried about you. Mm. So therefore I've ruined her night because she's worried yeah. something's going to happen to me. Maybe I fall over. Maybe I get in a taxi with a stranger or, or whatever I did, whether it was an accident or something risky. It made other people worried. I'm sure my husband was worried about me having an accident when I was out and over drinking. Mm. And I'm sure staff at hospitals were worried about me, but never said anything because it's so normalized. Well, this is an interesting point because it's on the one hand, it is such a shameful, embarrassing part of both of our stories. But on the other hand, if anyone's on the cusp of giving up drinking, this can be what kickstarts sobriety. For you, realizing, oh God, I'm not the best parent I can be. This mm. is hugely affecting my kid's life and my husband was the reason to give up booze, you know? Exactly, Hamish. And a lot of the people I see on Cupper, they have given up booze actually the next day after a huge injury. Yeah. They'll say, look, this is the photo of me. The day that I gave up drinking, they do like a before and after shot. And often they've got a black eye on that day mm. or they're, they're on crutches. They're like, look at me. This is how I was, but this is how I am now. Yeah. So sometimes these injuries, we don't want them to happen, of course, but they can be the wake up call that you need to go. I need to take care of myself. So what we discovered is that neither of us really gave a flying pint glass about getting injured when we were drinking. It was either a good story or part of the process. Yeah. We accepted that if we binged, being injured was a possibility. It screams of a lack of self-care and self-worth, as well as a lack of care for those who have to deal with our issues. This is a bigger topic than I imagined, Vic. And actually, it's not a funny one at all. No. And for some reason, when you're drinking, you don't care as much for yourself as I just said. During the day, you go to work, you cook, you clean, you exercise, you do all the things normal people do. You try to avoid pain and injury. You just get on with your life without being run over by a bus, hopefully. But then at the weekends, that all comes crashing down at the proverbial wall and the drink gets down the gullet. Risk of serious injury seems to go with the territory. It's weird how alcohol makes us care less and careless. Yeah, so true. Let's cleanse our palates and hear some stories from our community. If you're having lunch, put down your Pret-a-Manger sandwich because some of these are a little bit gruesome. So let me begin with Matt. We see so many folks in the emergency department who ride those stupid electric scooters when they're hammered. They're never wearing a helmet and I used to think the scooters seemed harmless. Some of those patients are funny. They aren't really hurt. Just a few scrapes and some say pretty funny and outrageous things and go home when they're sober. Then you have the 23-year-old who either gets sent to the ICU with a massive brain injury or doesn't wake up at all. Yeah, so Matt is a nurse in A&E then. Mm. Hezbez, she says she used to be a nurse in A&E where 80%, she reckons, of the clientele were over the weekend were drunk or high. She had a drinking injury in A&E and she had to have an x-ray for being punched in the jaw after having both her teeth broken in a fight in a nightclub. So that is a nurse that's going out drinking, probably due to the stresses of work. She's not proud of this one. The staff were very hostile and she says she can't blame them. Saying both of her teeth teeth broken makes it sound as if she only had two teeth yeah because she had a full a full mouth of teeth a full set but some of them were broken yes <laughs> deborah wrote to us she said it was a typical friday night i was out at a club drinking way too much and had a 30 minute drive back home but this night i didn't make it home instead i totaled my car wound up in the er with no recollection of how i got there the first thing i do remember is sitting on a gurney being examined by a doctor telling him i was going to be sick he said nothing, but with his foot, he kicked a trash can over in my direction and turned to one of his co-workers saying, my third one tonight. 
At the time, I found him to be so incredibly cold and uncaring. I was 20 years old and never been in hospital before. Fast forward to today, I realised that such interactions were so common for an ER staff in a big city hospital that his reaction was not all that surprising. That was 1976. And that night, all of it, remains the worst night of my life. I think we're talking a lot about hindsight here, isn't it? At the moment, we thought it was okay. And now looking back, she realises like, my God, that wasn't okay. And that that, that was partly my fault. I never really thought about the fact that being drunk makes you selfish. Yeah, it does a little bit, actually, Hamish. Sure, definitely at the time. I'm yeah. sure that the next day when the shame comes, then maybe you go, fuck, I was a prick last night. Yeah. But at the time, you're not really worried, are you? We say your inhibitions go, but mm. I'm not sure whether that's true because when your inhibitions go, you, th- you think of that as being sort of free and, and like being who you want to be. Yeah. But actually, it might do the opposite. Can I tell you the most perfect example of drunken selfishness? Mm-hmm. People that go to gigs and get on the shoulders of someone when there are people behind them. Oh, that is very annoying. The amount, the amount of times I have wanted to rip someone down. Yeah. It's always like a pretty girl. It's always a pretty girl yes. gets on a tall guy's back because she thinks it's okay because she's Right pretty. in front of you for the yeah. gig that you've been waiting to go to for ages. Yeah. Yeah. Livid. Maybe that's some of the A&Es is people bringing them down. Yeah, it's me just ripping <laughs> them down. <laughs> yeah, evil Haim. <laughs> evil drunk Hamish. We've yeah. got another one that said, oh, now this one is pretty grim, okay? So if you you heard us warn you about the sandwich you need to put down, but you ignored it, put it down now. Put the sandwich down. Yes. When I was returning to my halls of residence one night whilst at uni 30 plus years ago, I couldn't work out why I couldn't shut the main door. After trying to yank it shut a couple of times, I realised the object preventing it from closing was my finger. Ouch. I didn't think too much of it until I woke a few hours later with it throbbing like a very, very painful throbbing thing. Interesting writing. (laughs) And when I went to A&E, they drilled it to release the pressure and I vomited over the poor nurse. Oh my God, these injuries, there were so many of them. We had hundreds of emails telling us about all these drunken injuries. There were literally too many to list, but it was anything from broken ankles, fights, broken arms, head injuries. But Ned sent us his own list, which I just loved. He says, alcohol was involved in all my injuries. Here we go, Hamish, are you ready? Yeah, this is He quite a had list. a chunk bitten out of his forearm over an argument in a game of pool, split his head open after falling off a bike, 12 stitches, broken hand and a knuckle in an altercation, dislocated shoulder wrestling, sliced thumb open requiring numerous stitches, severe concussion doing a bomb into a spa, classic, (laughs) burnt hand, broken little toe, split head, open all at once, trying to save a pot of food from falling on the stove. (laughs) Hard to explain, he says on that one. It was all a big laugh at the time, but a lot of those injuries still flare up now and again and give me grief. I think it's clear there that Ed would have taken up quite a lot of hospital time. Yeah, I've got so many questions about so many of those injuries. Yes, so do I. We'll email him, find out a bit more. We need much more, Ned. As you can hear, we've all had a lot of injuries caused by booze. I know this is heavy, but let's find out about how many people die from drunken injuries each year when binge drinking. Okay. Over 5 million people die worldwide each year due to alcohol. 25% of that number is due to injury. That's over 1.25 million. These deaths by injury are categorised as preventable deaths. We wanted to do this episode today to underline another side of the story. How people all over the world are being sold a lie that's actually killing 5 million people. That is a lot of people, isn't it? That is a lot of people. That is, you can't even imagine that amount of people. 
We see the ads. We go out and socialize and drink until we all fall over. Then we actually injure ourselves and the medical service have to clean up our mess, costing them billions of dollars on injuries that did not have to happen if our attitude towards alcohol was more evolved. I guess that's part of the reason we do this podcast, Hamish, is to try and nudge people into sort of readdressing alcohol rather than just accepting that's it as it. part of the community. I quite like the way you put that. Thank Al- you. Alcohol towards alcohol can be more evolved. Yes. So we're not even saying give up booze today. It could be understand what this is happening. Educate yourself. And I like the term reconsidering booze. That's what I always say to people. Like this podcast is for you to reconsider your relationship with alcohol Mm. and reconsider the impact that it has on you, your community and the rest of the world. Not to make anyone feel guilty or embarrassed, we just want to highlight how crazy it is that even though the government invests money in hospitals and rehabs to fight against addiction, they also support its usage. In 2021, the Australian government made $2.5 billion in excise and customs duty on beer alone. That's insane. It is insane. As you can hear, the sums do not weigh up. That's why it's hard to talk about alcohol and witness any major changes in warning signs and more care for the consumer. The big guns are making so much money out of it. Yep, it's annoying, isn't it? A new report estimates addiction cost the Australian economy more than $80 billion in 2021. One in four Australians will deal with alcohol, drug or gambling addiction in their lifetime. I think it's time to start investing more money in the problem, in the trauma, the mental health and addiction prevention, rather than dealing with the dire, dangerous and very expensive consequences. I want to end this episode with something that Sam said. So he, I always keep wanting to say Simon says. Simon says, Sam says. Yeah. So this is Sam, not Simon. He said, if the young adults could see how easily a good night out can turn into a life-changing and wrecking experience for themselves or their friends or their family, then perhaps some would think twice about drinking so much. One of the saddest cases I've attended was a young tourist travelling with his mates made a poor decision to traverse a balcony at the backpackers bar they were drinking at and at 3am fell five storeys to his death in front of his three best mates who were travelling with him. If kids could see and hear this, I'm sure they would take steps to avoid it happening to themselves. I know that's a scary way to end It's a harsh lesson that. It is. it is a harsh lesson. But I think it's important to highlight how dangerous drinking can be if you overindulge binge on a night out because it can lead to all sorts of horrific things we are going to do an episode in a couple of weeks time when we're going to talk about prohibition we're going to talk about whether or not the world today would be a better healthier place if alcohol was illegal or didn't exist altogether that sort of yeah sort of plays into this episode i think it does and it's exactly that hamish it's that normalization now of alcohol whereas it wasn't in the 1920s in america for example we've managed to make it okay whereas mm. then they made it a no-no so i wonder what would happen if we made it a no-no now what would the result be quiet any wouldn't it yeah a really quiet, quiet. any ward imagine it would be like you know the streets during covid all over again yeah. you've got a belt of a quote to finish on. yeah i'm going to finish with a quote by Carrie Fisher from her amazing book, Postcards from the Edge. She says, maybe I shouldn't have given the guy who pumped my stomach my phone number, but who cares? My life's over anyway. It's a good going, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's a good going. Yeah, yeah we love a you good quote. We knew it was going to be a, a strong, serious finish when we knew it was Carrie Fisher yeah, doing the quote. Yeah, we uh, have really enjoyed doing this episode, actually, and it's really interesting to see the other side of the story. And it just makes me more stronger in my sobriety, actually, Hamish, when mm. we talk about things like this, more serious topics, because I know 
that I'm a binge drinker and I know that I put myself at risk like this and it scares me to think of ever doing that again. And I know that I like myself enough now to never, ever put my body at risk again like that. Mm -hmm. So that means I will never, ever drink again. It's a good reason why not. Good. Well said. Personal safety. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> On that serious note, everybody, I know you want to laugh at the end, but we're not going to give you one no. today. Yeah, Carrie Fisher. Just repeat Carrie Fisher's in your, in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Cheer yourself back up. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Kilo prawns, oh. 3 If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. They have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know. Just write it on the... Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuckuppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, yes. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. (laughs) 